0: Now, I am so excited to share this message with you today. I mean, as a church, we have been in a series called Following Jesus in the Bay Area. We've been tracking along with uh, that book that Teacher Lynn was holding up um, called Follow Me, and really just unpacking what those two words mean. I mean, they're only two words, but they are two very powerful words At that. I know for a lot of us, we want practical. We want action steps. We want to know the list of things to do and the the tangibles on how to do it. And yes, those are very important. As followers of Jesus, we are called to a task of making disciples of all nations, of being witnesses of the gospel in word and deed, and helping others grow deeper in their faith, yes. But did you know that even before all of that, Jesus first calls us to something even greater. This message that I'm going to share with you today, I believe that this is the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. This is the why, this is the how, this is the motivation and the sustenance for all the things we mentioned before. This is it. Guys, you want to know the secret to following Jesus for years and years and years and never losing the fire? Or the secret to following Jesus when it's difficult and there's suffering and pain and persecution, but you just keep on going. You want to know the secret to following Jesus in such a hard place like the Bay Area. Are you ready? Here it is. This is the secret. Knowing and enjoying God in intimate communion. I'll say it again. Knowing and enjoying God in intimate communion. You see guys, before God calls us to a task, he calls us to himself. Before he calls us to do anything at all, he calls us to simply be. He calls us to be children who know him as father, children who have relationship with him, who delight in him, who love him and find joy in his presence more than anything else in this world. We have to remember that before God calls us to a mission, he first calls us to communion. Right? Think about it. Think think about the 12 disciples. Do you think God just picked 12 random people and just started telling them to go and preach and teach and make disciples? No. He called them to be his disciples. He called them to be in relationship with him, to be in intimate communion with him. You know what? He desires the same from us. Guys, this is the big idea for today. The heart of following Jesus is knowing and enjoying him in intimate communion. We'll talk about the mission a little bit later but right now let's just focus on that okay What do we think of when we think of the word communion? I mean for a lot of us our minds jump straight to the thing that you know we do every first and third Sunday at CLC you know you know like when Pastor Ben brings out the the loaf of bed, bread that's larger than his head and he he breaks it and he dips it in the wine and he invites us to partake in the Lord's Supper, and to remember Jesus. Well, yeah, that that is communion. But the type of communion that I'm talking about right now is, is something that happens more than just twice a month. Happens more than just once a week at church or once a week at home group. For those of us who follow Jesus, this type of communion is something that we're called to every single day of our lives. Communion is relationship. It's fellowship. It's intimacy and joy. I mean, think about it like this, right? Like Think about your favorite person in the whole wide world. The one you love the most, the one you enjoy above all else, the one you can't imagine your life without. For some of us, maybe it's our spouses or our partners. Maybe it's a best friend or a sibling or a mentor. Maybe it's your kids, right? Think about it, this person, you know. And it's not just that you know things about them. Or that you know of them, but you know them personally. You spend time with them regularly. You enjoy their presence and relationship intimately. They're your joy. That's communion. That's communion. Communion is intimate relationship with another. And you know what? Following Jesus means that we are called to communion with him. That we are invited into relationship with him. I mean, isn't that kind of crazy? I, it, it boggles my mind every single time I sit here and I'm just in awe when I think about how the God of the universe, the creator of the world, almighty, all-powerful, Utterly holy and perfect and righteous in every way imaginable. That God wants a relationship with us? Guys, that's what he means when he calls us to follow him. He wants to be with us. I mean, that doesn't doesn't make sense, right? How? Why? What, What type of God would want that? Well, church, let me take you back to the very beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By the authority of his voice, what was empty and formless and void was filled with beauty and goodness and light. And the scriptures say that each day God created something and he saw all that he had made and it was good. after creating, you know, all the stars in the sky and the animals and the plants and the trees, God made us. And we were made in his image to reflect the beauty, the goodness, and the justice of God. To care for his creation and ultimately to enjoy his presence in intimate communion forever. On that sixth day, we were invited into relationship with God for all eternity. Guys, you see it. You and I were made to know him. We were made to love him, made to enjoy him above all else. We all know how the story goes, right? The serpent tempts the humans. They give in, eat the fruit, they sin, they realize they're naked, and everything goes downhill from there. Guys, in that moment, Adam and Eve made a very crucial decision. In disobeying God, they ultimately decided that something else was far greater and far more worthy of their devotion than their relationship with God. That their desires and their needs were more important than their communion with God. That their souls would be satisfied with something other than God. And that one decision cost everything. When they chose to make that decision and sin entered into the world, that which was created for good and for relationship resulted in a world of pain of sin, of death, and of eternal separation from our maker. That communion, that relationship, that intimacy, gone. Just like that. Guys, this is the problem. This is it. I mean, God cannot be with sin. Holy and unholy don't go together. It just, it can't work that way. So how then can a holy God now be in communion with unholy sinners like us? That is the ultimate question of the Christian faith. How? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's how. God loved his creation so much that he didn't leave us there. Guys, he didn't leave us there. He loved the world so much that he made a way. He made a way for us to be in relationship with him again. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it means. Okay, you might be thinking, Caitlin, I know this stuff already. I'm a Christian. Why are we spending so much time talking about the gospel? Well, guys, first of all, I hate to break it to you, but I could spend hours talking about the gospel. But the sad reality is that we may have heard the gospel a thousand times or have been a Christian for years and yet still miss the heart of it. I know because it's happened to me. It happens, right? The good news starts to become old news. Our spiritual lives start start to become routine. We start to get busy, prioritize other more pressing things. We choose to spend time with everyone else except for God. And once in a while, a thought pops into our head. We start to think, well, you know, I, I haven't sinned that much. I'm not that bad. I mean, I lose my temper once in a while. I skip church here and there, but overall, I'm a good person. And slowly but surely, the gospel loses its meaning. And we find ourselves in that place, Christian, and yet so far from Christ, as we need to remind ourselves. When I was a sophomore in college, I uh, started helping out with the youth group at CLC. And, um, you know, it was my very first lesson to teach. And I was given Genesis one to three. Now, in my experience, uh, youth kids, they know this story front and back. Uh, But a lot of the time I hear them complaining and and, and saying, well, you know, like that was Adam and Eve. That's not me. I'm not that bad. And so I knew I had like an extra challenge ahead of me. And, you know, w- when you're working with youth, you kind of have to be creative and speak in a different language, you know. So I came up with a plan. And so I'm on, I'm there on that day and I'm like, okay, guys, today I am going to be teaching this lesson. Okay. Remember, I am in charge Oh, and I brought some snacks and some candy for us to enjoy during the Bible study. I'm going to put them right here, but um, I got to go to the bathroom really quick. So don't open it yet. Don't don't touch them until I get back. Okay. so I set them in the middle of the table and I left. Now, the plan was to get the kids to start eating. Uh, I know, a little tricky, but get them to start eating despite my instructions. And so I had a plant in the group, and I had uh, one of the other youth leaders um, say, you know, like, oh, no, it's, it's fine. Go ahead. Just just eat the snacks. You know, she, she's, she'll be back soon. It's fine. And once they started eating, the leader texted me to come back. And then let me tell you, it did not take very long at all. So I come back in and I'm like, guys, what, what's going on? Didn't I say to wait till I got back? Didn't I tell you not to touch the candy? And I kid you not, within one second, it started. Immediately, I go, well, so-and-so said we could do it. He made me. I only did it because everyone else was doing it. It wasn't my fault. And so I asked them, I was like, Do you guys know what story we're going to talk about today? And crickets, not a clue. <laughs> then we started reading the scriptures, and the wheel started turning, and eyes were opening. And one kid just stopped us in the middle of reading and said, Oh, I get it now. They realized that they weren't so far off from Adam and Eve. That when put in a similar situation, they weren't so different. And for the first time, these kids began to understand why the gospel was so important. Why they themselves needed the gospel. Right, guys? Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one person worthy, not one righteous, not one. All of us, every single one of us, sinner. Each one deserving of death. Each one in need of a savior. But God. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Each one of us loved by God, loved to the point where God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to the world to live the life we could not live, to die the death that we deserved, to take the penalty of our sin and to make a way for us to be in relationship with God again. You know what? If you receive him, if you believe in his name and choose to follow him, he gives the right to become children of God. When we decide to follow Jesus, guys, it's it's more than just getting saved from our sins. It's more than just getting your ticket into heaven. It means now that we have access to God as Father. We are now adopted as sons and daughters into His family. I mean, we get to enjoy His presence like Jesus does. We get His grace, we get His love, we get His gifts, but more than anything, we get Him. We get Him. If we saw our decision to follow Christ in that way, oh man, would our lives be so different? Before anything else, God wants you. He wants to be in relationship with you, He wants to spend time with you and to know you and lavish His great love upon you. But let me ask you honestly, do you want Him? Do you seek him? Do you thirst for him above all else? In 2015, I attended the Urbana Missions Conference with my home church. I was a Christian. I went to church every week. I served on leadership in my campus fellowship. I was committed to missions. I thought I was doing pretty well, honestly. And I went to Urbana, and God did something there that I will never forget, and it has changed the way I follow him to this day. In one of the main sessions, our favorite favorite guy, David Platt, was giving a sermon, and I'll never forget his words. He said this, he said, don't try to manufacture a heart for missions and miss the heart for Christ. Don't try to manufacture a heart for missions and miss the heart for Christ. And I remember that I just, I just, I froze in my seat. I just felt like I couldn't move. I felt that God was just looking at me. He was speaking right to me in that very moment. Guys, I missed it. I was at a missions Conference. I was serving. I was doing all the things I was supposed to do as a Christian, and yet I missed the whole point. I missed the heart. I was so caught up in doing things for Him that I completely neglected being with Him. So I went home after that conference and I just prayed and just prayed, Help me to want you, Lord. Help me to know you. Help me to desire you above all things, even good things like your mission. Help me. And you know what God did? He simply brought me back to the gospel. The simple gospel that says he wanted me first. He made a way so that we might have relationship with him first. And as I started to reflect and understand that better, I started to change. God started to change things. And it took time, but slowly and surely, I wanted more of him. More of this God who gave everything for me. I started to spend more time with him in prayer and reading his word, not out of guilt or obligation, but out of genuine joy for him. And the more I did this, the more I started to fall in love with Jesus all over again. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like King David. I mean, have you ever heard this guy talk about his relationship with God? It's kind of crazy. In one of the Psalms, he addresses God like this. He says, oh God, you are my God. You are my God. Right there, there's intimacy. There's relationship. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Can you just feel the desperation in his voice? He just desperately wants more of God. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. He needs nothing else in the world but God alone who satisfies his soul. Nothing else than God alone in whom he finds his true joy. For he is more than enough. Guys, the heart of following Jesus is knowing this, is knowing and enjoying him above all else. So we talked a lot about communion. What about the mission? Well, church, like I've been saying, following Jesus begins with a heart for Jesus. It begins with being in relationship with it, with finding joy in his presence above all things. And guys, you know what happens then? Well, then God starts doing stuff. He starts changing stuff, moving stuff around. He begins breaking our hearts for what breaks his. And it, it's not going to happen overnight. And maybe it will, but it, it might not. It might take time. That's what happens when you start to fall in love with God. You start to love the things of God. You start to let go of your own desires and you start to pick up his. You want to be someone who shares the gospel with their coworkers? Cultivate a heart for God. You want to care about missions? Spend time with God and see what he cares about. You want to love the poor? Fall in love with the Jesus who loved the poor. You want to know how to be on fire for God for the next 40, 50 years? Find joy in his presence alone. If we don't, we run the risk of serving out of guilt or obligation or fear, or even worse, serving apart from Christ himself. Church, it is from an overflow of delight and joy in Him that we go and make disciples. It's from an overwhelming grace of God on the cross that we go and we witness in word and deed. It is from an outpouring of love from our Father that we can't help but ooze the love of Christ to others around us. The heart following Jesus is knowing and loving and enjoying him above all else. And when you do, I guarantee you that following Jesus will be so much more rich and rewarding. As we close, I want to ask you a simple question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus like that? Do you want one? Just like any earthly relationship, our relationships with God take work. They take time, effort, intentionality, and sacrifice. And yes, we have a part to play in that. But guys, be comforted that God has already done all the heavy lifting to make that possible. Maybe you're here and you just heard the gospel for the very first time. And you're deciding today that, yes, I do want to follow Jesus. I do want a relationship with him, to know him and enjoy him. He says, come, follow me. Maybe you're realizing that you've been trying to do all of these tasks for God apart from being in relationship with God. And today you're saying no more. He says, come, follow me, fall in love with me. Maybe you know all of this and you have a relationship, but you don't feel the joy. You don't desire him above all things. To you, he says, come, follow me, and I will satisfy your soul. I will change your desires if you let me. Lastly, maybe you're in that place where you believe and you know and you enjoy, but it's still hard to follow Jesus in the Bay Area. It's not that you don't want to, but it's just, it's hard to share the gospel. It's it's hard to step out in faith. And Jesus says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will give you the strength. I will empower you with my spirit. I will do all the work. You must only be faithful and abide in me. Church, he wants you. More than anything, he wants a relationship with you. So what do you say? Will you say yes to him today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your amazing love for us. That even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And made a way so we might have relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for wanting us that bad. Help us to want you more, Jesus, to thirst for you and to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. We love you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.